0: Greetings, adventures, and welcome to GNGG Cast.
1: Greetings, adventurers, and welcome to the show. We are the Surly Nerd, your Geek News Roundup for the week that was. I'm your host, James, and with me this week is our producer, Tony. Hey. And our co-host, Hector. Greetings. This week on the show, we have all the geek news that you could shake a stick at, followed by a brief discussion on our thoughts about the Bad Batch and a whole lot of gushing about Star Wars in general. But before we start, don't forget that you can head over to patreoncom GNGGcast, where as a patron of our show, you can suggest topics for us to talk about. Our Final Fantasy VII Remake episode is up right now, and it's totally worth a listen. With all that out of the way, ladies and gentlemen, adventures of all ages, it's time for the prelude.
0: Greetings, adventures, and welcome to GNGGcast.
1: Greetings, adventurers, and welcome to the show. We are the Surly Nerd, your Geek News Roundup for the week that was. I'm your host, James, and with me this week is our producer, Tony. Hey. And our co-host, Hector. Greetings. This week on the show, we have all the geek news that you could shake a stick at, followed by a brief discussion on our thoughts about the Bad Batch and a whole lot of gushing about Star Wars in general. But before we start, don't forget that you can head over to patreon.com slash gnggcast, where as a patron of our show, you can suggest topics for us to talk about. Our Final Fantasy VII Remake episode is up right now, and it's totally worth a listen. With all that out of the way, ladies and gentlemen, adventures of all ages, it's time for the Prelude. Prelude. All right, this is the prelude. This is what we've been doing with ourselves this week. What we've been playing, what we've been watching, what has been occupying our free time. Uh Tony, you got your list together for this week? Have you been doing Yeah, to?
2: I've got a huge list of all the changes I've been making to the show. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. that's 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 what, what all these check marks in front of me are yeah. is a lot of me redirecting things and moving websites around yeah. and uh
1: we will, we will, at the end of the yeah. show, talk a little bit about uh, the changes that are being made, what's what's kind of going on behind the scenes with all that. Obviously, this is episode 400. Uh, we couldn't just do another episode, you know. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's going to be going on in the background. Is there anything you watched or anything that you played this week? Um, I honestly don't really remember anything aside <laughs> from working along okay. the show. That's yeah. perfectly fine. <laughs> Hector, Good. what do you got for us?
2: Oh, man. So, um, I...
0: Uh, To continue my narrative from the last episode, uh, I went home and started playing Returnal. And I've been playing Returnal pretty much ever since. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing game. I haven't quite finished it yet, but not only does it feel like the first, like, next-gen AAA game, but it also feels like a really great departure from what a AAA game is, Mm -hmm. or, or, or usually is, in, like, you know, a big, epic open world, or some kind of, like, movie on rails... Or a bunch of games that we all know and love, and we can denigrate by simplifying their structure. This is a roguelite. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is a triple A, all the budget, all the bells and whistles roguelite.
1: Mm-hmm. Which means permadeath. Yeah,
0: it means permadeath. It means very little is saved between runs, and it means the game is hard, and you will die a lot. Right. And the more you die the more of the game you unlock, which makes you better, and you get better just by playing it. It's, it's a really great formula. It can be addicting, and that's just... I'm just describing roguelites. This game itself has an amazing aesthetic. It feels kind of like like if Prometheus was good um, kind of thing, just the, uh, the, the kind of art style... Uh, that uh almost got, uh geiger-esque yeah. i always say geiger it's geiger it's geiger-esque, geiger-esque. It's, yeah. it's very geiger-esque and uh so that's awesome the sound design the bio is alien. yes very yeah. bio-alien exactly thank you um and also like mystery progenitor series type stuff and like crazy time loop stuff so yeah lots of alien stuff going on there um the story is really cool it's like a mystery box that you keep unlocking the more you uh, the more you die and the more you resurrect and the further you get through the game the sound design is off the charts like the game recommends to you when you start it that you play with headphones. I am uh, fortunate enough to have a surround sound system mm-hmm. that works just as well. And the positional sound and the sounds coming out of your controller, like, all are giving you different pieces
2: of information all the time. It wow. can be
1: really intense. That sounds amazing. The little bit yeah. I got to see of it uh, mm-hmm. at yeah. was
2: just awesome. I was like, damn. Yeah, I would love to. I personally would listen to it with the headphones on because yeah. I don't have that set up. Because um, I actually, I, love I think it might actually headphones. be better
0: under headphones. now yeah. that I think about it, just like the the, the, the complete silent immersion. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. Yeah, so some
2: noise canceling 7.1s mm-hmm. Yeah, I Don't have a set one. I don't have noise canceling. Oh man, um, you just be in that. You just turn up the volume, you know? But anyway, so
0: yeah, the sound is amazing. The combat is great. The controls take full advantage of the PS5 controller. Mm -hmm. Everything is haptic with the force feedback and the different levels of, you know, trigger pull for different abilities. You can feel the rain coming down on your character in the vibration in the controller. Oh, that's cool. It's really cool. Like, they, they, they pulled out all the stops for this one, and I'm really glad... That Sony didn't come out, like, like start this whole, like, PlayStation 5 journey with, you know, an, another Uncharted or, you know, another uh, Last of Us or a Naughty Dog title or, like, an Assassin's Creed or something. They really went for something different. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I hope it's going you to You feel
1: like Next Gen is here when you play this game.
0: Exactly. Yes, exactly. And to, I know that, like, maybe seven people on Earth have a PlayStation 5, mm-hmm. but when the rest of you get one don't forget about this game. Go back and pick it up. Hopefully it'll be on sale by then. Right. Um, don't skip it. It's great. Uh, the only other thing I have is I watched the movie uh, The Mitchells versus the Machines mm-hmm. and I really, really liked it.
1: The animated film?
0: Yes, it's an animated film. It's a kid's movie. It's PG. Mm-hmm. So it gets like... You know, it, it's PG, but not like 80s PG when you might see a boob. Right. It, it, it's very now PG where it's like someone might use a, a word such as crap. Right. You know, it, it, it's that kind of PG. It's Sony Animation, uh, you know, the not exactly the same people, but the same studio that brought you uh, into the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. So the animation is top-notch. It blew my mind sometimes. What's the uh, premise? Premise is a uh, slightly dysfunctional family on their way to drive their daughter to college, mm-hmm. um, comes across the apocalypse when the AI machines take over. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of deal with that. That's the okay. plot of the movie. It's a lot of fun. It's very funny. It's incredibly heartwarming and touching. Where can you find it? Makes you feel great about family. It is on Netflix.
1: Okay, fantastic. Yes, definitely watch it. We all did something as a group, as we often do on Fridays. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a double feature night. Mm-hmm. It was great. I had never seen the movie Train to Busan, which is a uh, Korean, Mm -hmm. I believe, zombie movie. Yep. um, On a train Mm -hmm. with zombies. Yep. And it's, for somebody who definitely got burned out of the craze of zombies, Mm -hmm. this was the movie that all of my friends were like, look, even if you don't like zombie movies anymore, you need to see Train to Busan. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I'll put it on the card someday. And then I found out that the sequel had come out called Peninsula. Yep. And that was on Shudder with Train to Busan. So I was like, Hector, we yep. have to do the thing. Yep. So we double, double feature. featured it, and we watched it. And I, what I, what my takeaway is because because these are both movies in the zombie genre. Um, they are two very different movies. Oh God. Yes.
2: Yeah.
1: The mm. first one is very claustrophobic yeah. and <laughs> like tense. It's personal. Like like it's, like it's personal. really personal. The second one felt a little more actiony. A little more yeah. we're playing in Bad. the universe. <laughs>
0: The, the, the second one almost felt like a parody of its own genre. Mm. And I don't know how to square that circle when I think about it as not a sequel. Obviously not a sequel to the first movie, but just kind of existing in the same space as the other movie because they do feel radically different. Yeah. And I'm talking like First Evil Dead versus Army of Darkness different. Yes, right? that's a yeah. very good comparison. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if I can even recommend the second one to people who love the first one, but I can say... If you've never seen either, you should probably watch both Okay, because it's an interesting
1: experience. It is a back-to-back, very interesting experience. Mm-hmm. I
2: suggest Train to Busan. It's just it's an amazing movie. If mm-hmm. You like zombie stuff, and yeah. it's been a while since you watched one. Watch one, an international one. There you watch go. Watch a great it's, one. Watch, yeah, watch great. more Korean cinema. Every yeah, day. also do that. Um, but skip the last one. And or that's... skip the sequel. Peninsula, it's just such a break. Mm-hmm. It's not even like Gremlins to Gremlins two. No, no, not at all. It's it's such a
1: massive. It's, I think
0: it's like <laughs> Robocop to Robocop three. <laughs> oh god, yeah, it kind
1: of is. <laughs> I had fun. So.
0: Oh yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't hate it. I I was. I didn't. I maybe sometimes felt insulted by it, but only in the way that like I felt the first movie touched me, and the second movie just made me lol a little bit. Yeah. But that's just. I mean, it's a little bit of my own pretension, but most of the time I felt myself having a good time with the movie, despite what I wished I was watching. Mm
1: -hmm. All right. That is everything that we have for the prelude this week. We're going to take a small break. And when we come back, we'll be going into our main news segment in the weekly raid. Weekly raid. Hey, adventurers. Welcome back to the show. This is the weekly raid, your news roundup for the week. And there's a lot of great news to cover this week. So let's jump right in. If you were excited about Mike Flanagan's upcoming Netflix show, Midnight Mass, we have some great news for you. The mind behind The Haunting of Hill House is going to be releasing a companion book for his new show called Midnight Mass. It's going to be a large format coffee table book that will cover things from scripts to concept art, costume designs, it's going to have interviews, all kinds of stuff. Uh, it's called Midnight Mass, The Art of Horror, and it's going to be released in October. Cool. I think that's does sound really cool. Yeah. This sounds like they have a lot of faith in this series. If like they're like, yeah, out of the gate, we're like, we're gonna make a book for it. There's too much cool shit that's gonna be going on in this series that like we need to have it documented and printed out somewhere.
2: I, I really like that, and it's kind of such a departure from Hill House. Yeah, um, in that type of we were actually going to maybe overly explain some shit or we're going to do different types of world building. Yeah. So if, if you're unfamiliar
1: with what uh, midnight mass is going to be, um, the concept is it's, it's an isolated island community that suddenly, uh, that has all these miraculous events that happen. And it has some like also like some frightening omens as well uh, that start to show up after a charismatic young priest enters the island. So it's a uh, trapped on the island like a little bit religious horror. It sounds like the costuming work is going to be fucking fantastic, which I mean, honestly, you know, Hill house and Bly both had just, Oh amazing God. Yes. The, the
0: production value on the yeah. shows.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving on Neil Druckmann, the director of the last of us games, uh, opened up this week about why the last of us movie never got off the ground. Uh, according to him, he wanted to have the last of us be more of a indie movie feel, um, and Hollywood kept wanting to go bigger and bigger with a the project. They wanted to add more action scenes. Um, they just wanted to really Hollywood it up, essentially. And he's like, that's not what the game is, the story we're trying to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's ultimately the, the reason they decided to go to the Last of Us television series on HBO.
0: Okay. I mean, it, it's a good explanation. And I think we all said when we even just heard the first news that there might be a Last of Us movie was like, I think it would probably be a better TV show. I mean, the game's 20 hours long. And there's, it's a pretty dense story.
2: It is a very dense make, story. Make it at least into like an eight-hour right. movie. Yeah. You can't have characters yeah, in
0: a two-hour movie emote at each other that seriously for that long and like still have a movie.
1: Yeah, and it made complete sense when he was kind of talking about this and was just like, you know, they really wanted to Hollywood it up and be like more explosions, more like big bombastic scenes that are the kind that you put in the commercials and mm-hmm. throw on TV. And he was just like, that's, but that's not what The Last of Us is. Yeah. Like it never has been and that's not the direction we would ever want to go in. Mm-hmm. So, fun fact, it's about to be Sin City's 30th anniversary, and to celebrate uh, this milestone occasion, Dark Horse Comics will be re-releasing the first story arc of the comic called The Hard Goodbye. Um, There will be a soft cover cover version and a hard cover version, uh, selling for $25 and $100 respectively. The new edition will have new cover art, Um, it will have a gallery of pinup pieces, and if you get the premium edition, uh, it will also have a slipcase and never before published sketchbook art um, that was handpicked by Frank Miller himself. Huh. So, this was just the here's all the concepts for Sin City. Mm-hmm. I'm throwing it in the book. Yeah. I love, love, love Sin City. Yeah. I haven't even read all of it. But yeah. Like it's, no, it's I haven't so read good.
0: all of it. I've read a good amount of it. I loved the first movie. Uh, even the second movie wasn't trash, like, right. and and it, and it 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 had a lot of good things to it, even though it had to work with so much less. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, Sin City, amazing franchise. I'm
1: I haven't had a chance to look at the books yet, but I mean like, we have books in this house that kind of remind me of this. You have the the Gaiman's, um Sandman collection. Yeah, I have the uh, oh, I, have two of,
2: I have two of the absolute Sandman collection. I'm still missing a couple of others.
1: Yeah. I just have to find them when they're on sale because
2: they are. Not cheap. Yeah. I mean, uh, we are literally talking yeah.
1: about a $100, like, one trade Sin City that, you know. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And uh, I... When you're collecting museum-quality pieces is what you have to look at what those are. Mm-hmm. And you are paying for that quality. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, the... Paper on absolute editions is museum quality, it doesn't fade. Right, yeah.
0: you can put it under glass and it'll be and,
2: there. And
1: the pinups that he's doing, those are going to be in both editions, mm-hmm. uh, or all the different artists uh, that are working across this are going to have these pinups for it. Um, it's just specifically the absolute edition, if we, if we want to call it that, um, will be the one that has the scripts and the, mm-hmm. the extra sketches and all the extra bells and whistles along
2: with it. You really want to get into some Frank Miller stuff, which. You know, it depends on how much you want to support him going off the rails or not. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because, little... ooh, 9-11 affected him. Ooh, yeah
1: It was a rough ride for him, yeah, yep. absolutely. Uh, let's
2: Batman shit got
0: fucking... <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like... the Frank Miller Batman stuff was like, okay, I see where you're going with this and a uh, little bit yikes. <laughs> yeah,
1: a little bit yikes. Uh, this week, Google Stadia's vice president, John Justice, has quietly left the company. There has been no reason why, given at this time. So...
0: Oh no, what are we gonna do with all the great work he was doing?
1: (laughs) I mean, this, we've already, it feels like every week we're dropping some bit of like, well, Google Stadia is getting worse and worse off, guys. Mm -hmm. It's getting worse and worse. Like, when do we bail at this
2: point? I don't know. So, like, I was thinking about getting the new uh, Resident Evil, whatever the fuck. Oh, uh, eight. uh, Eight, yeah. But getting it on Stadia. Because they give, me the whole, they give you a Google Chrome and a, oh. a controller yeah. uh, for a game that I'm probably going to play once and yeah. not care about. Yeah. And then I'll have play a controller and a thing. With, for, with, I'll play once and never care about <laughs> Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't... Yeah, <laughs> I, Stadia
1: is such a rocky ship at this point. Like, hearing the vice president just left quietly for no reason, it's like, okay. Yeah, and I, mean, I well, think it also, always was. He could also have, like, family stuff, too. We don't fucking know. He, that, could, but, he, he could,
0: could, but honestly, at his yeah. level... It's probably like, I don't need my name on this when it goes belly up and like, we have all known. Mm -hmm. And we said so at the beginning, this, if they don't do it right, will not go well. And then we all looked at it and went, nope, no one's investing in that. And we've all just been, and I mean all of us, like the internet, not just the three of us, have been just quietly watching it die going... Oh, look, it kicked a little. Oh, it, look, it gasped. Look, I, I, oh, God, I don't
1: born? think... It was still born <laughs> I, I don't on. think that their vice president <laughs> listens to our podcast, but I do want to say, if you are out there somewhere, John Justice, you are in the wrong profession. <laughs> With that name, my friend. <laughs> no shit, right? Like, come on, my dude. Yeah,
0: how are you not like... <laughs> You know, Mr. Nobody, or you know, some kind of <laughs> some kind of agent doing <laughs> right? the punching. We all wish
2: you were doing exactly. John, know, Justice. John Justice sounds like the alter ego of a superhero. It well, does. Okay, so it's I, got I the alliteration. I, I do yeah. kind
0: of feel for him because yeah. anyone who's ever said his name without having known him, mm-hmm. any doctor, mm-hmm. d- doctor's office attendant, any like time he called his name at the dentist, any time they he has a meeting <laughs> and no one's met him before, they look down and they go John Justice. Really? (laughs) Like, (laughs) that's what he hears every time someone says his name. (laughs) Yep.
1: Uh, All right. It wouldn't be a week if we didn't have to briefly talk about Activision Blizzard. Mm -hmm. Uh, Activision Blizzard had their quarterly earnings report this week, and on it, they said that mobile games are the future. They said that the mobile market will be a, quote, real priority with a lot of investment, and that they are ramping up the hiring of hundreds of mobile developers, their goal is for all of their franchises to be available as mobile offerings. And before we scoff at any of this, and mm. we will, we will absolutely oh, be given sure. the permission to do that. Mm-hmm. Just know that the mobile entry in the Call of Duty series raked in $1 billion since its launch in 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot of money.
0: I do not I, see why. I do not scoff nor cast aspersions on the mobile market because I think it is lesser or because I think it is not popular. It is obviously very, very, very popular. Yes. It changed all of gaming mm-hmm. like while we were barely looking. Mm-hmm. Um I scoff at this because it's a little cynical. Yeah. <laughs> it's um Kind of betting that no one will be able to get any of the real hardware for a long time. Everyone needs a phone. Most people, if they can even find a PlayStation 5, maybe can't afford one. Same with a new Xbox. Same with very high-priced gaming PCs. Mm -hmm. Um, They know that these people, these uh, underprivileged, still want to play video games. Sure. They've all got phones. And I just wish this company that makes a billion dollars in cell phone games in a year would, I don't know, do something better with that money so that, you know, at least their own employees can afford the products they make
1: Yeah, or to eat in their cafeteria. Which is very important. That's a good important point to bring up here is that Call of Duty Mobile made a billion dollars in 2019. And yet we still hear stories of Blizzard employees who cannot afford to eat in the cafeteria of the place that they work at Mm -hmm. and live and sleep in their cars. Yep.
2: I'm going to defend the mobile market aspect of this, mm-hmm. not in a what's affecting the world right now with the uh, product shortage, yeah, sure. but more what where they're looking for the future of gaming and how they want to handle their franchises. If they are wanting to branch out to places that still aren't going to be having graphics cards and stuff, but mm-hmm. have access to cell phones because they are cheaper and more readily available, sure. mm-hmm. they are manufactured more consoles they can get their properties out there i look at it as kind of like they're trying to just make the game boy version of the n64 game yep it's gonna fucking suck but you might as well try to release both of them to
1: get that other market as well yeah -hmm. it it Um, is going
0: to suck but but the thing is (laughs) but i do
1: but i do not want them to say exclude doing a starcraft 3 because they're like, well, we're just going to put StarCraft on the cell phone.
0: Right, and that's what we're all afraid of, is that is the watering down of the uh, gaming market due to mobile sales, and mm-hmm. I agree with you. Uh, the We all remember back when the Wii came out and how we couldn't really get our Call of Duties or our AAA games on the Wii because it mm-hmm. was underpowered. This is what most cell phone games look like and play like compared to their big brothers. Mm-hmm. Now, when people create truly excellent Uh, mobile platform games, Mm -hmm. that is a revelation. Nintendo has known that since Nintendo first Nintendo. Oh, absolutely.
1: So... I mean, that's what the Switch's premise essentially is. So
0: what Activision should be doing if they really want the mobile market and they want the respect and the uh, loyalty of the mobile market the way they have it with Shooter Bros is create truly excellent mobile experiences and sell those. That are are
1: optimized for the mobile environment. Yes.
0: Please don't sell watered-down Call of Duty. I can't aim my gun Done with my thumb on my phone with my other three fingers holding it in my hand. Yeah. This is like, make a better cell phone game if you're going to
2: make a cell phone game. Their problem with spending this much on people to develop cell phone games mm-hmm. isn't that it. they're they're each trying to get their own way to make it better for the people's hands to wake to work sure. well. Like mm-hmm. why call of duty works well is because they got the input correctly. Right. This is what Microsoft was working on, on putting their XCloud shit on their phones, mm-hmm. which we've used and it fucking works pretty it well. Works mm-hmm. scarily well. Yeah. honestly, That's the reason why I'm, that's what I'm trying to get to is they really are investing in kind of the wrong place with going for the cell phone market. Mm-hmm. When they, there's already going to be a company that's going to handle that for them. Yeah. Yeah. Unless they're getting self, they're trying to develop that kind of technology mm-hmm. alongside right. of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and which, not, why yeah. are you going to compete against? Mm-hmm. Okay, the, like two people that are trying. this, yeah. <laughs> which is Sony and Microsoft. And I'm not <laughs> against
0: playing a game on a phone per se that uh, can be played elsewhere. Like if you can give me a controller and I can like click my con- my phone into the top of it, mm-hmm. I'll play a game on that all day. That sounds great. I'll probably hurt my neck doing that, but just the the touchpad controls and everything else. Game Boy Advance games were great because they took full advantage of all of the controls. Same thing for Returnal, which I talked about earlier. Mm. If we can do that with phone games, if we can make touch controls on a phone screen interesting, like that. Surely can be done.
1: The phone games that I that I currently play are all games that I find engaging and work best on the platform they're on. Mm-hmm. I don't find myself wanting to go, I want to install an emulator and play this on my PC. Right. Because they work and function in a way that best fits that, that mobile style of game. Mm-hmm. Right? I
2: played the uh, first uh, Game Boy uh, Pokemon Red. Okay. Pokemon Red I played on emulator on my computer i don't think i feel like i lost anything by playing it that sure, way sure sure, because like, mm-hmm. you know there's like up down there's two yeah. fucking buttons yes yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so we actually
0: have one really good example before we move on with the news because i just thought of it and it's perfect wrap-up for this genshin impact do you guys have any idea what this I'm is familiar with but, it but, but right.
1: for our audience explain right
0: so genshin impact is for all intents and purposes kind of an mmo uh it's open world you wander around you know fighting mobs leveling up learning earning new abilities tackling dungeons maybe with some friends this has always been an excellent and beautiful looking mobile game and then one day they just opened it up to pc and it can obviously be done with a keyboard and mouse and it can be done well with a keyboard and mouse but when you switch between they're exactly the same game and they designed it this way and it's just really smart. All of the same microtransactions are there that make the game worth playing, even though it's worth um, keeping up, even though it's free to play. Right. And so, like, everything is there. Like, you can do this. And Activision, like, I just, I, I know there are better games in you somewhere. We yeah. see them every once in a while. Same with you, Blizzard. Like, <laughs> if you guys want to like make a good phone game, I will be there for it. And this is me extending an olive branch. Like, right. seriously.
1: Well, also in Blizzard news this week, it was announced that Overwatch has gained 10 million players in the last year, despite not having any new content. What
2: the fuck, man? <laughs> like, that's... You like get 10 million new players, or people just bought 10 million We more. don't... That... Okay, like, then, dude, then that's, we, there's that's no high. way even they can know. Yeah, like they, it seems more like people just bought a shitload of Smurf accounts. Sure. Maybe, but that's
0: 10 million Smurf accounts. Yeah. That's a lot of people playing at the highest level of Overwatch that they need a Smurf account. Right. Like, the, the, like the, that number is nuts. Because there has been very little con- more content mm-hmm. over the last Every, year.
1: Everything's been on hold until Overwatch 2. Exactly. So, I absolutely want to... want to get really good for the PvE.
0: Yeah. Th- <laughs> I, I chalk this up to, like, having good seasonal events that keep people coming back. Having interesting skins that are, like, starting to, like, play with you a little bit. Like, the MMA costume. Mm-hmm. I could literally talk for, like, three minutes about the MMA costume, and I'm not going to. But... <laughs> Yeah, they, they're keeping their fan base interested, and they're bringing people in, obviously, with Overwatch League, which we're all big fans of.
1: Yep. So, I mean... Overwatch League is having such a resurgence right now. It's yeah. It's so ridiculous.
0: And it, it's been so much fun just watching it week to week. So, I mean, I can't say I saw this coming. I was hoping that the game was at least still, like, hopping along and doing well until Overwatch 2, but... The fact that it's growing this much is crazy. Like that is a the people who subscribe to World of Warcraft of new accounts. Mm -hmm. Like that's big.
2: It's actually really weird. I did not think that there would be it would be that level. Yeah, because I've liked Overwatch for a while. We're all looking forward to two. Uh, The last year hasn't been great for Overwatch League. It's fun now, Mm -hmm. but the seasonal stuff, nothing that's over the last year has brought me really in. Yeah, but I, I. have been wanting to since Overwatch League is back. Been wanting to play more. Yep. Mm. I unfortunately haven't been able to, which is kind of driving me crazy. <laughs> watching Overwatch League makes me like, oh, it's like yeah. I, just I want to go click some heads. Guys. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, watching Overwatch League just makes me want to play more Overwatch. Yep,
0: I've I, I played a lot of Overwatch in the last three or four weeks, and it's because of Overwatch League. Yeah.
1: So Kevin Feige said in an interview this week that Doctor Strange was originally slated to have an appearance in WandaVision, Mm. but was ultimately removed from the script because they didn't want to, quote, take the show away from Wanda and didn't want to use the show's ending to just uh, commoditize the next movie.
0: I love that. Like... I would have loved just because of the story and I guess like spoiler alert for a show that came out a while ago that you really should have seen by now um, mm-hmm. if you can. But uh, yeah, the, the way that the show ended and finding out that, uh, you know, the Scarlet Witch hat was a thing and was related to like the book and the Sorcerer Supreme and everything else. I was kind of expecting a Doctor Strange at some point or at least an allusion to him. And there was almost nothing. Yeah. And the fact that they didn't do that, even though they had planned to originally, that that restraint
2: with the shows
0: makes me like it more. Yeah.
2: I love the way he put it would have cost way too much to get Benedict Cumberbatch to show up. They already had him signed.
1: <laughs> they already had him signed. He, he, he will do whatever they tell him to yeah. do for money. He was like, yeah, I'll do it. It's um, not like he's working on so, anything else. So, while sitting Tony is here, I totally see where you're coming from. Yeah, that, absolutely. Um, the 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 saying that we don't want to just uh, commoditize the next mm-hmm. film that speaks to me, and and maybe it's me being a little bit emotional mm-hmm. because this week Marvel did drop this "Welcome Back to the Movies" trailer. Oh, yeah, and I watched it a couple times, <laughs> and then like last night I got really wine drunk. <laughs> And I had a friend over and I was like, did you see this? And she was like, no, I hadn't seen it. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to toss this on. And I, I, Ooh, yeah, it was, it was a rough go. I was like holding back the tears and it was just, it's a beautiful thing. If you've, if you haven't seen it, go onto uh, Marvel's YouTube page. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just a celebration of all of the movies uh, with a voiceover with Stan Lee and like, those, those fuckers knew what they were doing. They yeah. fucking pulled at your heartstrings, yeah. and they're just like, yeah, you haven't had any Marvel movies for a year. You miss it, don't you, fuckers? And I'm yes. just like crying. I'm like, yes. yes, I fucking missed it. I miss it so much. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, good news, though. A new fund has been created to help black and indigenous students break into game development. The fund is called the uh, Gerald A. Lawson Endowment Fund for Black and Indigenous Students. Uh, Jerry Lawson was the uh, uh, inventor of the game cartridge and was African-American. Awesome. And Take-Two Interactive has already contributed a large sum of money to start backing this up.
0: This is such good news. I love that that's awesome yeah. the amount of representation I see from uh, any any minority community now on the internet when it comes to like video games and things like that when that used to be either culturally or just generally not accepted has been amazing and this is only just in the last like three or four years. Mm-hmm how much diversity has come into just the people I watch on YouTube talk about video games Mm -hmm. and having this only makes that better. And I love that so much.
1: Yeah. Um, I I can't remember which documentary it was recently. I think it was the Netflix documentary Mm -hmm. that actually did feature the segment about Jerry Lawson. It was like, nobody knows about this guy, but Mm -hmm. he's the one that invented the fucking cartridge. That was a, wasn't it one of like the games that made us series? Yeah. Uh, It was was games that made us series. Yeah. The games that made us, I think. Fuck yeah. And yeah, they just wanted to celebrate this guy who contributed (laughs) Like, so fucking much to the industry. Nobody knew who this black dude was. And now we're all like, yes, please. And now he has his own fun Mm -hmm. to help get uh, both uh, African-Americans and indigenous people into the games industry. And that fucking warms my heart. Oh, absolutely. Because the games industry is only going to get better with more diverse talent inside of it. Mm -hmm. We're almost to the end. Uh, George Romero's final zombie movie, Twilight of the Dead, is now in development to be filmed and released thanks to his widow, Suzanne. She has promised that the film will stay true to her husband's creative legacy. Yeah. Like, like was, I, this was a project he was working yeah. on. I think my um, thing is like, who's doing it though. Like, like
0: that's a so percent. Th- she
1: is taking her time. Okay. And is handpicking people that she believes share Romero's vision and will have people on board that will be, you know, we'll want to work around his kind of creative process.
0: Yeah. Um, that that cool. sounds awesome. I mean, we, we have directors like that. We have directors who've remade his movies over and over again. Mm-hmm. So there definitely is talent out there. I personally hope that they go with someone new mm-hmm. um, or someone, you know, up and coming because this is, Maybe not, you know, some kind of, like, blockbuster movie, depending on what we get out of it. But I know that there is a very strong cult following that will be, you know, pretty hungry for this. Absolutely. So I just, I really absolutely. want it to come out
1: good. Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, just for the memory of him.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, if, if they, fucking Stanley Lee cameos all over again, like, more of this. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And finally, it was revealed this week that, uh, that this, over this last year, Nintendo has spent a record... 880 million dollars in research and development. According to Nintendo, this is because the Switch is about midway through its life cycle and they also needed to spend a large amount of research um and spend around new software. Mhm.
0: I think they're making a VR thing. You think so? I think so. I mean, what are they I mean, if they're the innovators and everyone has everyone, I mean, and I mean everyone, even the innovators in the industry, the Vive, the Rift, they're all just muddling and meddling around in this, right? Mm-hmm. The best app we have after, what, like, five or six years of VR headsets is a Half-Life game. Right. And don't get me wrong, it's probably a great game. I haven't been able to experience it. But if there's anything Nintendo wants to get in on the ground floor of, they want accessible VR. Like, accessible, and by that I mean, like, you know... A, Cheap enough to be to be available in most homes, and, you know, understandable enough to get the grandmas back in like the Wii. Mm-hmm. But we all know where gaming is going. so i I, I really have to think that they're tr- at least developing that's into that's, that space.
1: that's a bold prediction. I mean, it would make sense that they'd put so much in r and d again with it being halfway through the life mm-hmm. cycle of the switch. Um, they have to be thinking to the f- future, right? Like mm-hmm. they would yeah, be because, because
0: the switch is like like we have the switch. It doesn't cost almost a billion dollars to update this switch with better you know like ram and like a nicer mm. screen or a bigger screen like all of that they can do for a few million dollars in r&d and mm. probably not so much more in production mm. that doesn't cost a billion dollars i feel right. like they're probably working on something big
1: yeah what do you think tony
2: if you're going to be spending that much it, it really does seem like it's it's research and developments or I mean, I really can't think of anything else aside from that. Hector's... I might not necessarily agree with the VR part yeah. of it, but it's mm-hmm. definitely on... Something big. ...working on the next platform. Let's right, because so. everybody
1: keeps saying like, oh, well, maybe they're going to release like a Switch Plus with like upgraded hardware or something like that. That's been like the prediction going on for years and years and years and years. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to happen.
2: Yeah, because everybody's used to the way that the Wii worked and the way that the Game Boy worked. Mm-hmm. Right. much like... I remember saying, whenever they announced the fucking Switch, you're like, this is going to kill the Game Boy. It's no longer going to fucking exist. (laughs) Moderate iteration. Yep. (laughs) So, the... And the,
0: the reason that this sticks out to me Is because of how long they've spent Mastering motion control mm-hmm. And how no one else in the industry even touches them Not even mm-hmm. VR headsets I mean yes Like there are some that have like finger tracking And like really good point to point stuff But Nintendo has this shit Built into little side Joy-Con controllers That click to a little screen Like they have this shit mastered Down to a side Okay I
1: wouldn't say mastered they, well, There is still Joy-Con drift yes, Which is an issue Okay
0: <laughs> yeah but all of these contr- All motion controllers have this problem On yeah. expensive On $800 even the the ps5 has and the ps5 yeah i mean we've all tried to put our name into the playstation with a ps4 controller and in its motion control That can go fuck right off it is fucking wonky (laughs) you kind of just cry for your d-pad so a lot of people don't have this right i feel like nintendo probably has the best grasp on it because you can do things like clip this controller to other pieces of you know devices and it now has different functions like they really have a lot going on here so VR just seems like the next logical
2: move to me.
1: Yeah, absolutely
2: i'm not sure what they're working on I mean, mm. it could be vr it could be a finally a cell phone because that's the only way you're going to get their games on
1: there's like officially it feels like still they only have like two cell phones yeah games. And that's the problem
2: <laughs> i was like maybe they're just going to make us phone because then they'll want to put their games on and there. then
1: there's like the whole nintendo library goes yeah. no, the whole mobile
0: nintendo library right. goes on a phone that'd be insane yeah it's called a nintendo look phone. guys Let's all do. i'm it saying is that nintendo, nintendo Game games. Pass. <laughs> all i'm saying is
1: that we managed to make it up to the like nes classic and the snes classic people are hungry for an N64 classic at this point. Like people oh. have even said it. They've said like, could you give us an N64 classic? Put classic smash and Mario party on there. I will easily drop a hundred bucks. On that. If there's
0: not a Nintendo 64 game. I can't play on my phone. So they can definitely make an N64 classic and yeah. they can make it for like probably a hundred bucks. So yeah. Think about a game Please Cube. do that.
2: Did the GameCube classic happen? No. They stopped, they stopped at the SNES. See, I think you can't make the GameCube Classic because it's just a small cube, and then you can hurt people with it way too easily. <laughs> I, just I, swallow just, it. Yeah,
0: it's just... <laughs> I super appreciate your joke because I was about to be all like, well, I think the game just stored too much data to put on a fucking hard drive on a tiny console. Yours just way better. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, that is everything that we have for the news. But hey, stick around for our main topic coming up next in the Boss Room. Boss Room. Hey, adventurers, welcome back. This is The Boss Room, our main discussion for the show. May the 4th was this week, so I thought that it'd be a good time for us to talk about uh, just a little bit, not not super spoilery, about Mm -hmm. the new Star Wars show, The Bad Batch, and then we're going to talk a lot about Star Wars in general. Specifically, it's a positive vibes only episode. I know there's a lot of Star Wars hate out there, but I want to talk about the stuff that we just... Unabashedly love and just gush over it. Let's be nerds of fucking about Star Wars and love it. Mm-hmm. So let's dive in and just start off by talking about our thoughts on the Bad Batch, the new animated uh, series on yeah. Disney Plus.
0: I mean, I don't know most of the backstory, so I guess I'll go first. I haven't seen. I've seen a little bit of Clone Wars and none of Rebels. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm going into this watching a for all intents and purposes, kids show, animated show on Disney Plus about Star Wars. And I'm thinking, okay, I bet you this is pretty good just because they released it on May the 4th and you know it seems like it's got a pretty good budget. I know nothing about the characters they're referencing, nothing about the characters on screen because they've been in those other shows. I don't really have a lot of the history, but by maybe minute four and a half of this show, I was a thousand percent in. Uh, like it was a really interesting premise, a part of Star Wars I hadn't really thought about and or seen before, and from. That fourth minute to the end of the show, to the end of that episode, I was like, I can't wait to see the rest of
1: this show. So, for those of you who haven't seen The Bad Batch, obviously, we're going to try to keep spoilers away from a lot of this discussion. But if if you're curious about it, it is an animated uh, series on Disney Plus. Uh, it's about the Bad Batch is referring to a certain group of clones, which are quote unquote defective, mm-hmm. and all of them have different. Skills. One of them's like super hacker. One of them's a sniper. One of them's like the leader. And that's what makes them so different from the other clones. And this is kind of their story. And they, in a lot of ways, are a little bit more human. Mm -hmm. uh, In in Right. So the
0: the, the reason that they all have attributes is because all of the clones are the same, right? When you look at them, you can never tell them apart except for, you know, the different color stripes on their uniform when you look at the bad Bats, you can you, you are constantly going okay that's echo that's yep. you know that's crosshair and you, you just you're, you're getting it you're like these people all have silhouettes they all have archetypes and all of the other clones have none of that and it's it's really interesting it
1: is a very deep series it gets dark um with, with the first, even the first episode got dark the question mm-hmm. i had for tony actually was you and i watched it together on the couch and I knew I've seen Clone Wars. I've watched most of Rebels. What was your impression for somebody who's never seen any of that? Um, and then you got introduced to this show. Did you feel like you understood everything that was going on? Was everything explained well, to I you?
2: I mean, I've, I've watched parts of Clone Wars in that. I was like, I'm just going to watch the shit with the Mandalorians in it. Right. That's yeah. all I cared about. So mm-hmm. it was like, fuck off these Jar Jar po- talking about politics episodes. It's yeah. real boring. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I enjoyed it in... It, it told it, It's it's a self sustaining story if you know enough about Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And that you have to accept that Star Wars is part of the cultural zeitgeist. So you're going to get that the, where the story takes place. And like mm-hmm. you see Kamino and you're just like, okay, they're on the planet with the, the water clones. and the tall people right. and they make the clones. Because yep. I watched that movie and they had that in that movie. Mm-hmm. That's all you need. It's all you need. And really, more than that is going to require watching the show. And I think they did a good enough job explaining the setup of where it takes place within the universe Mm -hmm. for me to accept that i'm not going to necessarily understand everything but they're doing a good job with these characters because they're so just archetypal characters Mm -hmm. that it's kind of a new branch into that world in fact this is kind of trying to get adults to go back to the animation stuff i mean Mm -hmm. like
1: they they definitely outline things like they, they mentioned echo at one point they're like echo these are the people that gave you your robotic legs and mm. did this. And those that's all that's an entire like three episode arc in Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. They just still down to a paragraph of just you know dialogue, yeah, and said, All right, now you know why this character looks this way. This is what happened to him. Mm. Go
0: right. The um, the big thing for me about this and uh, the, the, this whole offering on the fourth was. And because you mentioned the, uh, like, you know, getting kids into Star Wars and having something for cool for them to do on May the 4th, rather than watch an old Star Wars movie, yeah. is what you have, and Disney Animation has been great at this pretty much since Disney first Disney'd, is taking a kid's movie and making the adults interested too. Mm-hmm. And when you, if you sat down to watch some cool Star Wars stuff with your like eight year old on the, you know, on the 4th and Disney had this and, you know, you wanted them to enjoy You know, Star Wars Day with you, this is perfect. And Mm. you're probably a little more interested than your kid is. And I love that about this. Because more kids come to Star Wars this way because their parents love Star Wars. I mean, this is everything. I,
1: I posted on Twitter immediately after watching it. I was like, if you just saw The Bad Batch for the first time and you have never seen any of the other Star Wars animated films fucking welcome yeah there's like years of great star wars animated films to Mm -hmm. please come and be a part of our universe that we've been watching it as long as we have yep and that kind of leads me into what we're going to be talking about next which is just a love of star wars yes right wanted to say one more thing about oh sure yeah Yeah, yeah, absolutely mm
2: -hmm. um this is in the i have to i can't be completely super nice about it sure I get that they're going to probably do a time jump thing or whatever later on in the story, but that kid at the very beginning does not have a voice that matches with his child <laughs> frame. That is a man voice coming out of a very tiny boy. That's a respectable criticism of it. Maybe he's got some Padawan
0: force vocals. Yeah, know. that's very true. It
2: immediately threw me off. We're in the first four that's minutes of the I, I was they there going like, oh, this is stop to Oh, just don't talk. Yeah. Oh, just don't talk. <laughs>
1: okay. So now it's the unabashed love fest. Mm-hmm. Let's just talk about Star Wars and things that we love. Specific things It could be Mandalorian, it could be Extended mm-hmm. Universe, it could be anything. Start throwing ideas at me. Like, tell, okay. like, explain to Here's everybody why we us love us Star Wars. Are adorable.
0: Porgs yes. are very adorable. That is a thousand percent true and mm-hmm. always will be. Even even when cooked. even when yeah <laughs> even roasted <laughs> yes. porg so looks adorable. I, I have a th- something to throw out here just to begin. I don't know how much time we want to spend on it. <laughs> Star Wars is American anime. And imagine the cultural implications of anime in Japan if it were only released in like two-hour segments every few years as big production features, and then slowly but surely enters into the culture in more and more ways. Now, when we watch a Star Wars thing, there are things we expect because of the genre. Mm -hmm. And 90% 90 of the time we get
1: it. Maybe less these days even. Flash Gordon meets Space Western.
0: Right. We get well, we get the we get uh wipes. For transitions. We get, uh, you know, Star Wars language. We get weird droid noises. We get droids that are sarcastic because they're slaves. <laughs> we get... Um, that's a whole other discussion. That's a whole other discussion. That's a different Star Wars episode. I've got a bad, bad yeah. feeling about this. Right, exactly. We get, I got a bad feeling about this. We get, we got company, but that's not unique to Star Wars. But it's it's in every Star Wars. Yeah. We probably get some Jedi because that's most of what we follow And we get some war in the stars. Like, this is what we have. And no matter what medium we're partaking in, video game, book, um, most of the time we get these flavors. The reason I compare this to anime is because anime has this same kind of tinge to it. That No matter what the story is about, you're probably going to see a guy's nosebleed because a pretty girl walked by. You're probably going to see, you know, some funny, awkward situations. You're probably going to see some robots, if you're so lucky. Some pretty good combat. You're probably going to see some great combat, some interesting animation, and a premise where a young person rises to their potential. <laughs> this is... Ridiculous colored hair. That's yeah, yeah, name. no. So, so they're, they're <laughs> tropes, right? But we have tropes. Like while anime is an entire more than a genre of a thing, it, it is an entire platform. Mm-hmm. You could say with all these tropes existing in it, not perfectly, not all the way throughout, not 100%, but in most of it so that you get the flavor. Star Wars you can, has this flavor. You can flavor. look at
1: something and say, that is anime, the way you can look at something, a single frame, and say, that is Star Wars.
0: Exactly. You could show someone a still from a video game, and they'll be like, that's a Star Wars game. Mm. You know, and it could literally be one frame of the game, and it, it could be looking at nearly anything. Mm. And we, we know Star Wars when we see it, and
1: it has this,
0: like, flavor to it
1: that's always it's there, no aesthetic. matter what story yeah. we're looking at. Yeah, and we're in such a really great time for Star Wars, right? Because what we have is Dave Filoni, the mm-hmm. man himself, who, who... should be given wrote, complete control of Star <laughs> who, Wars. Who, if you're unfamiliar with him by name, you have to understand that he got his start really doing animation for Star Wars with the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. And when he created the Clone Wars series way back in the day, there was a movie and then there was the series. Right, and
0: this was like during the prequels coming out. We're talking like... 99,
1: 2000. Right. We had him introduce a new main character. And this new main character was Ahsoka, mm. And she was this young up and coming Padawan Jedi. And everybody immediately hated her. Every like, like, she like, an like, like yeah. Star Wars fan letters were being mm-hmm. written angrily on typewriters. Cause it was just the dark ages <laughs> back then and sending them out. And they're like, Fuck this Ahsoka person. Why would you create a character like this? I don't want to follow some kid Mm -hmm. as they're like hanging out with Anakin. Yeah. And Filoni knows his characters. Oh, yeah. He knows them. And so he so carefully crafted this character in a way that over time, people not only can come to like Ahsoka, but began to latch on to her as a character. And so amazing is his ability to write within the universe that in the Mandalorian show, yep. she shows up and we all collectively lost her shit. Mm-hmm. The queen is back. Yep. Like, think about that, that played transition. by literally
0: the perfect actor,
1: right? Think about that kind of transition mm-hmm. when a character comes on screen and every single fan collectively says, fuck that person. And that by the, not even the end of her run. She yeah. has a series coming up. <laughs> yep. Everybody's like, please more of her. Can mm-hmm. we just have more of her? Like that'd be great. Like she shows up in like Rebels at some point. And I'm like, holy shit, Ahsoka's here. This is this is fantastic. Fucking put Ahsoka in everything, and he understands the Star Wars universe in a way that we never can because he's been able to play in it for so long. Mm-hmm. All of his stuff is like long term. Oh yeah. Which is why I'm so excited about things like The Mandalorian. Yeah. Because that means like him and Favreau can just like play in that universe Mm -hmm. for like years. And we will never see the same thing. It will never feel repetitious. It will never feel old. It will never feel stagnant, you know,
0: Right. So and uh, the, the, so while we're gushing about Star Wars and you're right, it is a very exciting time time to be a Star Wars fan. Yeah. There's all kinds of Disney Plus. There's all kind of movies in the works. Um, more TV shows coming down mm-hmm. the line that, you know, Mandalorian, Ahsoka, Kenobi. Right. Like all oh, so much good stuff that we wanted for so long. Yeah. And what I want to talk about is how we wouldn't have any of that if it weren't for a, everything that came before it. Mm-hmm. Because, and while we said this is 100% positive vibes, we all know that there are some parts of a lot of the movies that we do not appreciate. Even some entire movies that we don't appreciate. But if it wasn't for the prequels, which I think are probably the least liked of all of the Star Wars movies, we wouldn't have any of Filoni's stuff. The the fact that, you know, these movies started They made the out. Clone
1: Wars movie, which yeah. gave us a Clone Wars animated series, which led to this. Yeah.
2: Exactly. And can, then you yeah. can only fillet Filoni so much. Before <laughs> <I've> been, <laughs> You've been saving yeah, that yeah, one, yeah, yeah, haven't you? Thought <laughs> over there and I've been like, dude, I gotta say this. <laughs> uh, but we can only do that so much before we have to figure out, see where, when are you getting his start in mm-hmm. the Star Wars universe, working with Lucas, and how that affected the storytelling, working so much with George Lucas at Lucas at Skywalker Ranch right. specifically going, hey, this is where we're t- telling mm-hmm. the future story of Star Wars, right? right? And you're I mean, like, yeah, that, that, that's what we're working on. Yeah, yeah. And, and... and this is
0: like literally the part of Disney that makes me cry just thinking about it, even though it's really stupid because it's, it, it, it's all about money and capitalism. And I know, I know, I know, sure. but still... Like, Bro, I
1: watched a Marvel trailer this yeah, week that no, made I me cry. Yeah, it was
0: three minutes long, <laughs> and I was crying for the last two. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm there with you. The thing about this is that the reason that we have our Filonis and our Favros in, in, in Star Wars and in Marvel and in everything else is because they were kids when people like Stanley and George Lucas were just doing their thing. Right. You know, we had the, the, the you know, the 70s, I think, for Star Wars. And you, I, I'm pretty sure Filoni was sperm when Star Wars came out, you know. <laughs> yeah. I know we all were. But the, the fact that he got to grow up with it and play in it and play with it for so long that now he's able to share his stories with the rest of the world, it, I mean, it just... It's a dream and a dream that everyone can look at and be like, wow, he's really making Star Wars better because he grew up smashing action figures together. Yeah. Lucas That's also grew thing. up
2: with Stanley uh, Stanley as yeah. <laughs> being influential on his life yeah, yep. because he was already doing Marvel Comics at that yeah, point. Yeah, it's true. Yep. <laughs>
1: And for me, like it, it, it isn't just like a celebration of all the things that are happening now. There's so much in the past that I unabashedly love. Mm-hmm. Um, and so much of it's very important. Like, mm-hmm. take, for example, the extended universe, which oh, yeah. is now the retired universe of oh, Star yes. Wars. Mm-hmm. No, the, no, non-canon. The, the non-canon. The mm-hmm. non-canon, right. Um, I actually, for years, tried to get into Star Wars mm-hmm. um, as, as in book form. Mm-hmm. Uh, I picked up one of the books. I got halfway through it. It was a I got to a description of like Boba Fett sitting in the Sarlacc pit, talking to it, and I was like, this book is bad. I'm throwing it away. Yeah. And I just gave up on Star Wars Extended Universe. Mm -hmm. And people said- There's a lot more different books than Oh, yeah. Right, right. Sometimes something can ruin your palate, you know? Right, but this is one of those things, and this is kind of a fun Star Wars story, is that I- just, you know, I, and I'd given up on the extended universe. I didn't want to read any of the books. I was just like, just give me the movies whatever, that's fine. And then I had to go on a work trip Mm -hmm. and I had to go from one part of Texas to another part of Texas, which if you live in or don't live in Texas, understand just saying that phrase probably means a minimum of four hours. Oh, easily. Um, and so I went to a half price books and they had these CDs for, um, some of the extended universe books. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? I need something to listen to on the way. I don't want to listen to music the whole time. I'm just going to grab one of these, plug it in, Mm -hmm. call it a day. So I'm, you know, traveling for work in this giant truck and, and I plug in the CDs and this is pretty far into the extended universe. at this Uh point. I had a lot of like needing to catch up (laughs) to do. And these extended universe books, if you've never heard them, they are available on audible. They are not read like they are, typical audiobooks they are more treated like they are radio dramas Ooh, cool in fact they actually they actually edit down the books mm-hmm. um so that the flow is better oh. they take up some of the take out some of the fat from the books and they're like all right we're gonna put lightsaber sounds in and we're gonna like do a whole thing with it um and i got really invested in the extended universe mm-hmm. and so i then found myself going back and i'm like okay if this is where we are here all right, I need to start at the beginning of this. I'm like, and like, I started, I got things like the general Thrawn trilogy, oh, which yeah. I initially, I've heard a lot which, of good things, which about I originally that. did not like. And I went back on it. Oh man, this is so good. Cause I got it in audiobook form yep. and I got this like amazing, like radio. Honestly, I love radio plays in general. Mm-hmm. And it was just like this great radio play kind of version of it. And yeah, I kind of fell in love with it. But those things like the extended universe, while they may not exist anymore in star Wars, mm-hmm. they're, bleeding their way in. Yep. like Thrawn is a character oh, yeah. in Rebels. Mm-hmm. And that made everybody stop everything and go, wait a minute. So that means like these books that we read that are no longer canon in right. air quotes may still have a second life in the property we love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For what, they're what out, I don't understand. They're, they're, like, Disney's not, Discarding the past can
2: still exist later on, like yeah. Their force spirits can still go yeah. on into it, other properties, right? Yeah. It's it's same, because same, not character same, right. rights don't go away yeah. because it has to be. It's Long, the
0: same reason yeah. that the MCU is its own comic universe, in the same way like the Ultimates is its own comic universe. It's like this story is this story and it doesn't connect to that story, even mm. though we might have a lot of but the to just
1: point out that Dave Filoni was three when Star Wars came Yes, out. they did. So and thank you yes, so much yeah, for that.
0: Thank you for that. I was definitely sperm, well, yeah, <laughs> I absolutely was, yeah. Uh, but so for me, I, I have to talk about the prequels because of how, 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 how maligned they were, uh, and like how much good we got out of them. Mm because for the most part I dislike the first one but when we got
1: but do you remember in, seeing that movie poster yes with the young Anakin oh, with yes. the Darth Vader shadow, I remember, shadow. The tra- yeah. I remember seeing the trailer that dude in deserves so much money for that fucking yeah. poster
0: I remember seeing the trailer in theaters for that movie more than I remember seeing the movie in theaters mm-hmm. just because of how fucking hype I was to see the crazy alien coming out of the fog in like the most incredible CG I'd ever seen mm-hmm. like just waiting for some LucasArts mm-hmm. and you get it and you're like whoa And there's still a lot of parts of those movies I like But I think my favorite part about liking those movies Even in a like popcorn guilty pleasure sort of way Is how much of them is coming back We start The Bad Batch uh, the, the, the the beginning plot, this is not a spoiler, the beginning plot of The Bad Batch is Order 66. And I would have no way to understand what that was had I not seen the prequels and know what was right. going on. They don't mention it in the first, in the original trilogy. They don't mention it in the later in the later movies. They
1: assume that you know what Order 66 is. Yes,
0: they do. They entirely assume it. In fact, I had a conversation with someone who was asking what they should watch on May the 4th Star Wars and I was like, well, The Bad Batch is excellent. He's like, oh, well, I'm watching it with my girlfriend. Uh, would she know it? She's not really into Star Wars, I'm like, hmm, maybe. I think she would still like it because it's a good show and a good story, but you're gonna have to explain to her a couple of things.
2: And speaking of Order 66, that is actually one of my favorite things about Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Because, and the prequels, I just love whenever it's the way the shot is set up. Whenever mm. there's all the younglings in there, and Order sixty six activates, and the kids are there, Anakin walks in. there's mm. just Master Anakin, what's going on? Just the lightsaber activating, and then the cut is just like, oh, yeah, because you, you you don't you know he fucking killed all those kids. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but oh, yeah. it's left to your imagination. Maybe he rescued him. Maybe there's which was a very Jedi brilliantly
1: and... done shot, right? Mm-hmm. You can have a lot of hate for the prequels, but I you 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 think numbers. about but <laughs> you think about that shot and that shot tells you everything by showing you nothing. Mm-hmm. He shows up, lightsaber activates, cuts. And yeah. you're like, "Oh fuck." Yeah, the most graphic it gets is the kid looks a little scared,
0: bathed in the light of a lightsaber. Yeah. And you're like, Who "Doesn't." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Unless um, you have
2: one in your hands. It's. Could you not with that, please? Yeah. Seriously.
0: A uh, question for the group, because we were all born when at least the first Star Wars movie was already out on VHS. Which is the first one you saw?
1: I want to see Jedi. Said. No, that's just from my memory. Mm-hmm. I think it was Jedi. Mm-hmm. I think and I was young enough wicket. to see it. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, it's
2: like a wild guess,
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? So
0: I, I, I definitely saw Return of the Jedi first, and yeah. the thing was, I had borrowed a trilogy VHS box set from mm-hmm. uh, some family members, mm-hmm. and when I was looking at these movies because they all looked really cool, the cover is what stood out the most to me: is Luke on the front with his like green lightsaber out, looking mm-hmm. very heroic. The the other colors, the other covers kind of look like Journey album covers, and that they're mm. a little psychedelic and very like old school Star Wars poster art that was like hand drawn. Yeah. It didn't look like a, a photograph. And so I kind of left those for later. They didn't seem like they were for me. But like the cute little teddy bear and the guy with the green lightsaber, I was all about. And I'm see, pretty that's, sure that's the why thing, my favorite color is green. That's
1: the thing is that, I'll, you know, Lucas had gotten so much kind of crap when he introduced things like the Ewoks and then mm-hmm. things like Jar Jar. And, and, and the, but he knew what he was doing. Mm -hmm. Like the Ewoks were introduced so that he could get a younger generation into star Wars. He did write the character of Jar Jar because that is a marketable character at that point. Like there's smart business that went on behind the scenes. mm. When you really look at
2: what the prequel movies are, they are space politics for children. That's it. It's it's so You watch the story and you're like, this is a ridiculous children's story, but the plot is
1: (laughs) nothing but space politics. Three fucking movie (laughs) arc of, capitalism is bad yeah. but also fascism is bad yeah it's,
0: it's a, the fall of a republic this is something you would watch in like the hbo series rome but right. you know for children and with tanks and a lot of toy marketability yeah. as we all learned from the toys that made us yeah. most of this was about selling the toys but the story was anything but but that's fine you have lightsabers and tanks and droids that are sarcastic
1: yeah and, and like Star good Star Wars does have layers to it. Like I can oh, go yes. back and rewatch like the original like or the the prequel trilogy mm-hmm. and go, "Man, that was a lot a lot deeper than I thought that it was going to be." Like they yeah. you are actually talking about like genuine like economics mm-hmm. in the movie, which was weird. Yeah. <laughs> and like, "All right, cool. Oh man, Star Wars gets deep." Yeah. And I think yeah, we just have so much good I stuff to look for. The Trade forward
2: Federation to. has so much power with that many smugglers running around, like, they're not actually enforcing their own areas. There's a huge problems I have with this politics in Star Wars because it, it just it doesn't make sense. Mm. There's too many plan. It just no, no. They can't it, have like, real, real, briefly you, you, and by the one, way. guy in who's old as shit, but also a clone a bunch. No, It doesn't. I work. did
1: I did get to play any Star Wars tabletop game once. Okay, had a, had a really good DM at the time. Uh, it Said you can make anything you want. Like, just let's have some fun with it. This is the era that it's set in. Uh, It was really cool. It was a lot of fun. I know there's different systems for it. I think there's a D6 system and there's a D20 system for it. Um, Star Wars tabletop is so great because I didn't think that I wanted to play a Star Wars RPG until I got to play in one. And I'm like, oh, man. Fuck, this is actually, like, little kid me. Like, little kid me came out. Like, when I played Vampire the Masquerade as a, as a tabletop RPG or as a LARP, mm-hmm. um, I'm, like, very serious and invested because serious vampires are serious. Yes. And then you handed me, like, the option to play a Star Wars RPG, and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to, like, fucking have so much fun with this. Yep. Like, like, like 10-year-old me just walked out and was like, I will take that character sheet, please. <laughs> like, let's have some fun with it. Yeah. <laughs> I did get to uh, also do a couple Star
2: Wars games, um, specifically the D6 Wild Die system. That's uh, the that's the one of the, the original one. Mm. Um, the D6 Wild Die system uh, came originally from the Ghostbusters the video or Ghostbusters the tabletop game from oh, right. the original, which is at my sister's house. I have a copy of that. Um, yeah, history of tabletop gaming. Yeah, yeah. but the um, with the Star Wars wild die system there's a lot of different uh books and it's been a lot of involved there because it it didn't get a the star wars property wasn't allowed to be added onto so the community added a lot of things to it Mm -hmm. and it was really inventive and i love that about that the combination of the tabletop community Mm -hmm. and the star wars community going like okay we've got to actually uh make more stuff because the company can't for whatever reasons because they're not letting them make more star wars things Mm -hmm, right and it was They had their own canon essentially. Yeah, they had kind of their own canon because they weren't, I mean, they had the books that they could read at the time. There were no more movies coming Mm -hmm. out. There were no really a lot of, there were no video games yet. LucasArts hadn't been making shit. I'm talking, this is like that weird in between 90s time where it was like not Star Wars, Mm -hmm. but there was Star It was like we all knew it, but we just got to watch the movies again and again and again. right? Right. And that's where the tabletop game got to flourish so much. And I got to play in a Sith versus uh, Jedi game. There was actually two games going simultaneously yeah. that we didn't know. Cause we played every other week, not realizing that they were running a game every fucking wow, week. That's <laughs> such teams. a cool concept. And then at the end brought us in against each other. And we had to That's you know, awesome. That go is on. such a was, brilliant was really fucking fun. idea. And I, I, I was like why they were so fucking exhausted for like three months. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, so that kind of brings up a good a good point here. Mm. Gaming and Star Wars. Yeah. If nothing else, video games have just benefited from the Star Wars license for better or worse, because I did have that Atari Empire mm. Strikes Back game. Let's talk about just real quick some of our favorite Star Wars games.
0: Okay, so I will 13, tell you. 13. The, yeah, I, <laughs> that one that doesn't exist. <laughs> doesn't exist. I, I will tell you uh, what I played on May the 4th. Okay. And that was because it's on Game Pass, uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2. And if there's ever been anything that's ever been saved by Star Wars, it's that game. Because that game is a very, very shallow version of Battlefield, mm. um, and without the Star Wars aesthetic, would be completely boring to play in another setting. And I'm talking mm. like a Call of Duty setting, a World War II setting, whatever you're gonna yeah. do, a future setting, a space setting. Even if it just wasn't Star Wars and was like something like The Expanse, because it just wouldn't fit. Mm. Uh, But giving it the Star Wars sounds and the Star Wars characters and the amazing graphics and letting you just run around pew-pewing other people (laughs) in a 64-person match with air support of ships you recognize and ground support of vehicles and tanks you recognize and droids versus stormtroopers and, fuck, there's young Anakin and, oh, there's Dooku. Like, this is a good Star Wars game. I'm not going to call it a great game. But it's a good Star Wars game, and as for, like, popcorn, like, me just going through, like, my Star Wars day, that was the best game I could have played.
2: That is yes. the greatest description of a Star Wars game. It's not necessarily a good game, but it's a good Star Wars game.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: Tony, do you have any <laughs> games that you played growing up that were Star Wars? Um, Not that I can really remember off the top of my head. I remember my brother reading the X-Wing... Uh, TIE Fighter series. Oh, okay. yeah. Books. The, the sim, yeah, yeah. The Sim like, games. Oh, no, not the games. The, the, the yeah, books. The oh, books. The, oh, books. the, the oh, books. Yeah, no. Yeah. Like, he, might, he still has like, like a fucking just library wall of just Star Wars books. Nice. Yeah. Like, it's just. Like, the expanded universe isn't just talking about Jedi's and shit. There's like 20 book series of just. Just X Wing. X Wing X-wing pilots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's the whole story of X Wing pilots. Yeah. Nothing to do with anything else. Cool. <laughs> so then there's the whole. There's all this, and it's just part of the history of it. And I think that's that's one of the reasons why I like Star Wars is the. It can be anything. It can be video games. It can be comic books. Mm. It can be books. It can be the movies mm. because it all has that same aesthetic and feel and under in world that we all now understand because the world was, has been so excellently developed yeah, over this period of time to the point where we can just negate a lot of it and go, oh, we're just going to get the ghost feel of those mm. aesthetic and bring them about in other mediums. And that's a way to keep the property alive for more than just us because we were all born after Star Wars had initially launched. We weren't the people that was aimed at. We were, right. we would have to be much older. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are now in this space where we've never not known Star Wars. We were the mm-hmm. first to never not know Star Wars. Yes. Right. Um, which is the what was your first Star Wars? It's like, dude, I had a yeah. dog named Wicket. Like, yeah. So. It goes back to the entire history of video game. Like, it feels like the entire history of video games, but, you know, it doesn't. You're right. Because it, it was so ingrained in our childhood. And, yeah, I remember playing the uh, X Wing versus TIE Fighter and loving it and hating it and, and it was a good it was a good couple weekends and i played that see everybody talks um, about
1: an x-wing versus tie fighter but specifically one of the ones that i grew up playing and loving was just tie fighter yeah the it TIE was fighter the one was that was a story in which you are a member of like the emperor's legion that you were probably going to have to turn on your fellow pilots at some point and mm-hmm. it was so dark and it was so good like Holy fucking shit, just TIE Fighter itself was an amazing game.
0: Yeah, I had a friend growing up who really loved the game, and I watched him play a lot of it just because, you know, video game screen and we're like, you know, 10, 12 years sure. old. But uh, yeah, he was uh, really good at it, and he would read all the text and be sitting there like, when are we shooting again? But, you know, like he, like, right, growing up, he never stopped talking about that game.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And that's one something I think that we need to. I want. I just want to keep talking about how much things I love about Star Wars is the um the is the aesthetic, the mm-hmm. voiceover that has been added from the Clone Wars series, the Dave Filoni's work mm-hmm. of the. Now we have the voiceover guy who's going to explain what's previously on. Mm-hmm. It's even in Bad Batch, and as soon as I heard, it, I was like, nice. Yep. And it allows me to have kind of basically like three versions of the Star Wars universe. I have the big ass crawl for the big ass movies. Yep. Mm-hmm. I have the. In between stuff, yeah. we got Mandalorian, which it's not going to have any right. of that. And then I've got this ongoing Clone Saga, which is the truest interpretation, in my opinion, of what George Lucas's work is: is the Clone Wars. That no, nope, every episode is going to have voiceover, dude. He tells you what's going on. It's going to mm. have the same stupid fucking line of dialogue. It's yeah. going to have the mm. roughly the same stupid annoying cast every single mm-hmm. time, even though it's going to change out because it's supposed to be the serialized thing. Four kids, It is that it's, Flash Gordon-esque it is, style yeah. to be the five to 15 minute thing you watch before the other yeah. 30 minute thing you watch. And that was yeah. your double feature. Oh, look, you spent an hour for a nickel. Yeah. You, you get the World War II as propaganda
0: newsreel before yep. the feature, right? Yeah. Like they, that's the idea. And that's what Lucas grew up watching.
2: And that's that aesthetic has been able to move throughout all the different genres Mm -hmm. but it's something that has to be kept and now we can actually see that there are definitive versions of it that there are the crawlers for the movies that the we'll see how what we get from after Mandalorian with just having like a musical intro thing of like just kind of like letting it establish itself yeah but then we have the animated stuff which is all done with this voiceover mm-hmm. doesn't really do the as far as I remember doesn't do the crawl mm-hmm. no it does not right yeah. and
0: th- that's a great thing about Mandalorian and most of the sh- and you know the, the stuff so far on Disney Plus is that with the Mandalorian they let the theme of the show override the theme of Star Wars mm-hmm. in such an amazing way that was such a bold decision because you got like the, the, the super western style mm-hmm. and you only got Star Wars music for like the credits and like mm-hmm. a little bit before that depending on yeah. what's going on in the still episode still blended in within it and mm-hmm. it, was, yeah.
2: it was just more that feel that tonality you got yeah but it.
0: like i can hear the mandalorian theme in my head right oh now, yeah the same way i can hear all the star wars music yeah. and If you haven't
2: watched the making of the mandalorian series oh, also oh, go have. back and watch that and <laughs> yeah. you'll understand why we fucking fellate Filoni so much mm. but uh you'll also see how they got, got to that point it's like oh fucking hell how did because he comes out and like literally on his phone and goes hey um so i found the sound for your show yeah. and just plays it and you're just like Yep, and it's, and it's the early synthesizer version, like, just to mm. so be like, the, him just playing with the synth, yeah. and you hear it, and you go, yep, I can hear yeah. the orchestra that makes all of this happen, and, mm. and when I get to the musical episode, how they made the music of the yeah. show, it's weird that I'm like, okay, this, this like, 20-something-year-old kid, it can change Star Wars music, but fuck it, let him have it, he yeah. understands it, and is a genius that I don't fucking, I just don't understand it. And Chad (laughs) says that
1: that, that one of the good things about the universe is that it's practically accessible to anybody within all of the different mediums. Mm -hmm. Right. And that makes sense. Like that's what it is. We have star Wars for kids. We have books, we have comics, we have all of these different things that if you want a star war, you can find a star Wars somewhere. Mm -hmm. And yes, I get it. Capitalism. That's not what we're here for. We're here to vibe and have a good time. That's right. And Star Wars I mean, makes
2: gonna have good times. They won't sell but, you that, yeah. but you can find some <laughs> yeah. knockoffs. Yeah. But, but, but not everything
0: translates that way. Right. As, as yeah. I think what you were saying is like Star Wars really does move across mediums very easily mm-hmm. and even incorporates itself easily into like blending the two sometimes. Yeah. And not every medium can do that. Not every franchise can do that. We've so seen that a lot.
1: I do need to ask a very important question here for the panel as we kind of start to wrap this whole thing up. Mm-hmm. Um, most underappreciated star wars film uh who's going first? Uh, Tony, do you want to go first? Do You want to think on it. Uh star wars film? Yeah. So like it has to be
2: released in theaters? Yep, sure.
0: Yeah, the uh, yeah, yeah, top 11, no uh the holiday special doesn't count.
1: Eh, I don't know. Mine's Solo Solo really, hundred percent. So, I, I I did actually really enjoy Solo.
0: Yeah, a lot of people shit on Solo when it came out, and I like a lot of the movies that I've seen deserve the praise they get and deserve the criticism they get. A lot of people shit on Solo, and I can't realize I I don't understand why I realized when it was filmed, it was a little dark, but that happens. Watch a Dave Fincher movie. Like David Fincher is like all of his movies are filmed to where you like, you feel like you want to shine a flashlight at the screen. It's a very, I mean, they specifically bring up like,
1: it is a style independent (laughs) rights for robots. in that movie and makes you go, Maybe that is a thing that should happen, actually. Maybe they should be citizens.
0: Yeah, and you get a really emotional like story about the AI that runs Millennium Falcon's computer. You get like a, just a lot of really great characters. And it's by far not my favorite Star Wars movie, yeah. but I feel like it has been unfairly maligned. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Yeah, I think it's absolutely worth your time, but most of my favorite Star Wars stuff is the off-brand, not Jedi stuff, so that makes sense for me. Yeah,
1: I actually have always been, that was one of the reasons I was excited about the Mandalorian, I was Mm -hmm. like, I love Star Wars, but sometimes Star Wars is a little bit too big on this whole Jedi thing, Mm -hmm. and and there's so many great stories to be told in the universe. Yep so many that that are great that don't involve Jedi mm-hmm. and like please let us get that mm-hmm. and now that I'm going back and watching things like Clone Wars I'm like oh man like the Mandalorians had such a great story arc that just wasn't really about fucking Jedi Yeah,
0: if I could give a very close second I would say uh, Clone Wars uh, some, like like the you know second prequel just because um of the three prequels I feel like they focused on what worked best the most in that one there was a lot of action there was a lot less dialogue there was less politics it was just you know let's fight with lightsabers and lasers the entire movie for most of the movie it still mm-hmm. suffered from all the cheese of the first three of the, of the three prequels but it was a good popcorn movie and yeah. if it's if it wasn't for solo that would have been my top pick
1: okay Tony, would you have an underappreciated Star Wars film? Oh, I just went with my favorite. I just went with Empire. Okay, I mean that's just, if that's your favorite, that's your yeah, favorite. It's my favorite mm-hmm.
2: one. No, I was just I literally just pulled it up because like, uh, Irving Kershner, the director of, he was able to help identify what Star Wars could be for <laughs> without actually giving a without knowing what it was or really giving a fuck. Mm-hmm. He just made this really good movie that he understood the stylization he's like okay this is what you're going for it just it, it it's just a better it's just the, the best one out of mm, all sure. of them. Yeah. oh yeah i mean absolutely. i think mean, we probably maybe like hey what's your favorite one that's my fucking favorite one yeah. for i mean underrated it, it, definitely solo yeah. because i do re- i really do like solo um and out of the two that are not main mm. entries it's the best one or rather it's It's Uh, one of the two. It's it's one of the two. (laughs) Hey, I like both of them. It's like having twins. You're like, I don't know. A and B is both pretty fucking good. Mm -hmm. I like both of them. Solo, I like for some aspects of more than... the. For me, definitely
1: Rogue One. I mean, I love Solo. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. Rogue One, just... For favorite. For for, No, not for favorite. For for underrated. I feel like there's a lot that happened there in Rogue One that was so good but I did love Solo and I mm-hmm. did, do, do totally get where you're coming from for underrated. um for favorite that's a hard one mm-hmm. um, I feel like Empire's the default answer um I
2: just think it's such a the directing
1: it's just so yeah, much there's, there's, uh, uh, you know I'm, I have to go with Empire, but like, there is something about the original Star Wars. It's easy
0: to say. Well, Empire, like, well, like if we can, and I don't mean to interrupt you, I'm sorry, yeah. but if uh, like we can all very easily say that Empire was probably the best made Star Wars. Movie. Right. Yeah. And it's the one that we appreciate the most on a filmic level. Hmm. Now, that being said, we can talk about which one's our favorite, and if yours is still Empire, that's great.
2: Yeah. It, my mind's mm-hmm. purely for the filmmaking aspect yeah. of it. It's mm-hmm. the I the love... so one you enjoy
0: watching the most, right? Yeah, from,
2: as a person who loves watching a film, I'm like fuck, you nailed every sh- every shot of this is fucking mm-hmm. perfect. Mm-hmm. Every the tone is the music is perfect. It just seamlessly tells the story. Yeah, yeah. there are other elements of the, all the other films I enjoy though. Much like the, the mm-hmm. Youngling scene, I love that from the prequels because mm-hmm. yeah. It's my favorite scene. In fact, the third one if I had to choose like one for each section yeah. is mm-hmm. that Episode three is my favorite. For Episode the three, three actually was the best of and them in my opinion. It's good storytelling. Yeah. It's got a great, opens
1: with that fucking badass fucking face uh, space scene or oh, space oh, fight. Oh yeah. The space,
0: yeah. the first space fight, it's like half an hour and it's like, and, bam. And, and
1: to, and to its credit, I know that a lot of people like have had been hating on the, the more modern trilogy, mm-hmm. but the force awakens like got us into the theaters and got us loving star Wars again. Oh yeah. agree. We, we walked into that and yes, it has its, its issues, but we walked out of that movie and went, fuck, Star Wars is back. This is mm. so good. Mm-hmm. I, if
2: I didn't know where the story had gone mm. and you were just giving me that, I mean, I would still have the initial reaction of, cool, you basically just repeated the, the, sure. the, the, the first movie, which is fine, but where are you going? Because it did really invigorate the Star Wars universe with the use of the practical effects that weren't, well, that were used, but just it didn't, the seamlessness wasn't there yet in um, the technology, and the seamlessness is getting there. Um, the prequels actually did have a lot of miniature stuff that was CGI'd in, right. meaning they shot it in green screen, and then they shot it. They shot a, pract- a practical, and they overlay them, and it doesn't fucking look right because you can't... Because they were meshing the two They, they were trying things. to mesh the two things yeah. using a computer as the mesh, and it didn't fucking work quite right. Yeah. Everybody says, "Oh, all of these shots in the prequels are nothing but CGI." They're super not. Those are practical effects that are just not done meshed well. Right. That makes sense. The fact that we can now mesh them well and we use more practical effects on mm-hmm. a more in your face manner is great. Disney threw that fucking money at it, um, and we got to have so many people to get got some do some great works through all of the 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 sequels movies. Yeah. The, even to the very end, there was amazing work with the, the practical effects on the characters and the ships mm-hmm. and oh, That's one of the things I still love about this. These movies is mm-hmm. the the atmosphere when that music belted, score hits. Oh
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, it did. It, it takes over your whole brain when you hear that okay. music score. So we
1: do need to wrap this up. We do need to talk a little bit about where the podcast is going. So mm-hmm. before we do that, um just real quick name one thing off the top of your head that you just love unabashedly about Star Wars just just give me one thing you just love about it mm.
0: i mean yeah i can't even pick my favorite right so i think that honestly it's it, it, and this is such a shitty answer it's a it, it, jedi and i know we're mm. all so sick of jedi but without Without you, Jedi, there you, you really isn't Star Wars. Yeah. You that lightsaber sound. Honestly, well, for me, it's lightsabers. Well, Fuck whenever, Jedi. I just want lightsabers. Well, and you know, maybe lightsabers are better, but <laughs> honestly, it's, it's the Force, maybe, is what it is. Okay. But it's the ability for these, you know not mecha like giant powerful creatures to like smash against each other. And for me to watch and go fucking cool, like these space wizards with swords are fighting and I love it. And to like, even though we all appreciate so much other stuff about star Wars right now, especially today, that's my favorite thing about star Wars.
2: Tell me for you is just lightsabers. I mean, it's, it's lightsabers because I want one. Mm-hmm. Like, just, yeah. I, I just hands down want a lightsaber. Yeah. My favorite thing about star Wars overall is its impact on the world, what it has I mean not from the commercial aspect of sure. oh look how much money it's made. No, on the positive aspect it's had for nerd culture that across the world you can look at Star Wars posters with some of the most amazing artwork done all across the fucking world. Mm-hmm. You can have this day of celebration. The entire world kind of goes like, yeah, no, everybody in the world fucking loves Star Wars. And we all just get that Star for Wars one, for
1: one minute. We're all just yeah, for, culturally for, for, together, culturally
2: on May the Fourth.
1: Go, yeah, we like that. We're all just a and ge- that's we're awesome. all a bunch of nerds on May yeah. the Fourth. And it's, so, it's, oh, it's yeah. for the
2: entire world. And that's what Star Wars is for the entire world. It's meant to be. It's meant to show us that we're all fucked up and we're all in this together, though. Even though it's showing us from different planets and different things that the guys we only live on one, so. it's... It's a metaphor. It's just right. the one that we get.
1: <laughs> I think that's beautiful and way more eloquent than what I was going to say, Tony. So you've, <laughs> you've just been on fire this whole episode. Thank you. Uh, I will say for me, because I grew up with Star Wars is such a, a big part of my I wasn't a Star Trek fan. I was a Star mm-hmm. Wars fan. Um, you know, I forgive a lot of the the, the negatives that mm-hmm. get thrown against Star Wars a lot. I'm not an angry Star Wars fan. Right. Um, I'm just always happy to get more for me. The thing that I love the most about star Wars, because I grew up with it is that it's so ingrained in me at this point. It feels like coming home. Mm -hmm. Right. If I have not, if I have been without a star war for a while Mm -hmm. and I get one, it feels like I'm coming home. Mm -hmm. It's like, great, I'm back. I'm ready to to just be around family and just Mm -hmm. experience the force and experience new characters and do all these things. four notes. Yeah. Yeah. If I I
0: could wax poetic for just a minute, I love that, like, so much. There was a time in America where you couldn't make a movie without a horse in it. And the reason for that was is because most Americans, like... Either lived now or even if they lived in the city, grew up on or near a ranch or a farm with livestock or with, you know, just the vagaries of country life around you. And when you went to the movies and you saw Casablanca or Gone with the Wind or The Wizard of Oz, they had to have these elements in it to get the people from the sticks in the seats because you needed to appeal to them. Right. But be, but for more than that, it was because of a sense of nostalgia, a sense of childhood. Like even if we're not there now, I can watch this movie and I can see some people on a farm and I can see a horse and I can, it takes me back. It makes me comfortable yeah. so that I can, you know, experience this thing. And I feel like for us, that's Star Wars. I feel like when we sit down and we get to watch, you know, a thing with the Star Wars in it, we can relax a little bit and remember our childhoods. And it's just, ah, it's amazing
2: easiest way to get everybody to shut the fuck up on thanksgiving <laughs> isn't to put on whatever football game or whatever the fuck else whatever bad thing is just stick on one of the fucking star wars movies people mm-hmm, yeah. this is how you get your family to all like a thing everybody will agree, sit around together like we put on episode two because yeah we wanted to yeah sure and everyone will like it
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's very true God, I love Star Wars. Yeah, I'm so glad that we did this for our 400th episode. Like, I know, right? I was like, I just want to, I just want to talk about Star Wars and how much we love it. Like, let's just be nerds, mm-hmm. fucking like, really break down how great Star Wars is. Uh, before we start to wrap up, I raise your glass for Carrie Fisher. Oh yes, Carrie Fisher. That we've done a thousand this before, percent. But space Monk, our general, indeed. Our general. Thank you so much for everything you did. Okay, so that's episode 400 in the books. And I did want to take a quick minute before we sign off to first off, say thank you to all of our listeners who tune in every week, uh, either via podcast or via the live stream. Um, That being said, over the coming weeks, you're going to start noticing some changes. Um, We're going to be the same show, but we're going to be getting a new title. Uh, We're going to be playing with the script a little bit. And basically, doing everything we can to improve the show overall. Um, so, kind of from the bottom of our hearts, I just wanted to say thank you all so much. We wouldn't be here four hundred fucking episodes in, mm-hmm. and still loving what we do, still having a good time. Um, so, thank you, thank all of you so much. Mm-hmm. Thank and you very uh, much. say good night. Actually, you know, raise your glass one more time. Yeah. We say good night to the surly nerd. But it's now good night, and, and good game. game.
2: Which I will go with the um, our URLs for the yeah. people that want to know where you can find us and contact us and stuff. Yeah, please. That's uh, info at goodnight.gg. Um, that's goodnight.gg is also the website you can reach us at. It mm-hmm. will just redirect you to our Patreon page because that's fucking easier for me to work on. <laughs> Which uh, no, there, that's where we're gonna start having our articles and everything posted on through there. Awesome. Um, they'll have the there's. Again, there's tiers you can join us on if you want to join us and paid, but there's also going to be free posts that are at the show and everything else, like normal. Mm-hmm. Um, you can uh, find our name is just going to be G-N-G-G-Cast mm-hmm. on Facebook, on Twitter. Everything's just G-N-G-G-Cast. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so really, I mean, it's pretty, yep. pretty, pretty
1: simple. Yeah, yep. And we are a news show. We're going to bring in the news every week. We're going to be still a fact-based news show. We won't comment on rumor and speculation. You will never get things like, oh, we heard Konami might do a thing. That's not what we're here for. We're here Mm -hmm. to give you the facts, the things that are actually happening in nerd pop culture. It's the same Mm -hmm. show that we've
2: been doing. We're just relabeling some stuff because... uh, Sometimes you make a thing and sometimes it dates itself. Sometimes things Mm -hmm. grow. Sometimes things change. Um, A lot like us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. So I hope that you stick. (laughs) I hope that you stick with us seriously. uh, Each and every one of you is the reason that we do this every week. And that's it. I think. Um. Now that that's the end of the surly nerd. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That is the end of
2: the surly nerd. nerd, And uh,
1: welcome to good night and good game.
2: I was trying to get you to say for James, this is, or oh. to do this thing. I'm sorry. Yeah. I was getting, I was getting yeah. emotional. You were yeah. getting emotional. Yeah. I was like, this is the part where we do the sign off part because then yeah. can do I was getting of- emotional. Oh. We're, we're okay. still working okay. out. It was the, a the chapter. Outro. We're yeah, good. We're, we're working getting, on it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Again, if you have anything to hit us up at, uh, info at, at goodnight.gg or GNG. <laughs> this is good practice on everything else mm-hmm. there we go all
1: yeah. right until <laughs> next week for joining us, james for james this is tony and i'm hector adventurers good night and good game